Evolution Radio begins in three, two, one. Evolution is more than a theory. It is a fundamental scientific principle. You know, there's a scientific term for that. It's called baloney. We are so stupid that we think that just because telephones and computers and cars are intelligently designed, that means we are too. Well, we're not. I don't trust that Richard Dawkins. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Is the only logical explanation, unless you don't want to believe in science and logic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is Wretched Radio. Said Ufta. Okay, maybe not all of God's people say Ufta, but there's enough going on inside of the church that could cause you to suddenly become Scandinavian and live in the Midwest. Don't know if you're aware, I sat down with a number of really good theologians to discuss stuff. It's a new series we have called Breaking Bread. You can see the Phil Johnson episode. It is now on YouTube and the Facebook page where we sat down to talk about the 10 assaults against the local church. And we made our way through a lot of the current issues but I finally, in my list of top 10, got to one of Phil's favorite issues. This was, <laughs> this was a portion of the conversation that I had with Phil Johnson talking about churches being faddish. Next subject on the list. There's actually two. There's a slight distinction, but fads and theological or are ideological novelties. Oh, yeah. They, I see what you mean. They're linked. They're of course you see what linked. you mean, because that's your phrase. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, I think uh, my fascination with evangelical fads goes all the way back to the 1990s, probably 30, 40 years ago. Um, I began when, to, when this tie was actually pretty cool. That's right. Okay. I began to notice that uh, evangelicalism was, the movement was easily swept into whatever the next fad is. Uh, and the first time I ever said anything public about it was when they asked me to do a review of the prayer of Jabez for the Shepherds Conference. And I gave it a review, an honest review. <laughs> and apparently that floored a lot of people because at the time, the prayer of Jabez was riding high on the bestseller list. Yeah. And everybody thought, well, this is a biblical prayer. This is really good stuff. And, right. uh, and I absolutely pilloried that. And the, <laughs> the, the idea that because this is a fad, we all have to jump on the bandwagon. Um, and that was, I think, the first time they had asked me to do a plenary session at the Shepherds Conference. And after that... Kicked it off with a bang, Phil. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and so they asked me the next year, well, let's talk about the tendency for Christians to get swept up in fads. And so I did a message called the Fad-Driven Church. Mm -hmm. And by then, Jabez was last year's fad and people were already laughing at it and there were stores full of Jabez junk. You remember you could get mugs and... Do you know what was trying to take its place? The Oxgode of Shamgar. 
I missed that one. It's buried somewhere in the Old <laughs> Testament. But that got turned. Somebody tried to write a book that we should all have the, the next code of Shamgar. The next successful fad was the Purpose Driven Life. It came out yeah. that following year. Yeah. And so I did this message called the Fad Driven Church. And... Um, uh, talked about the history of fads and fadism. And and since then, I've sort of watched it closely because people frequently ask me, what do you think the next fad will be? And I can't predict them. I can't see them coming. But but wouldn't you say, though, that fadism, chase, somebody creates something in the Christian tchotchke world and we all grab onto it. That's not the root of the problem. That's the fruit of yep. a deeper problem. What is that problem? The, the, the problem is... The other thing you asked about, the, the, the idea of looking for theological novelties as if uh, the next big thing has to be something new. You See, know. I, I think it's a bibliology issue, that it's a sufficiency issue. Oh, we well, don't need marketing schemes and whiz-bangery. Exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Spurgeon said it like this, in theology, if it's new, it's not true. If it's true, it's not new. Uh, there's no reason for Christians to be chasing every novelty or thinking that uh, whatever is important for me is going to be something new that nobody's ever discovered. We need to be rediscovering the uh, the old truths, the truths that never change, the fundamental issues. And the church has never really been, the, or let's say the evangelical movement has never really been satisfied with just sticking with the gospel. I mean, think about it. The Gospel Coalition and Together for the Gospel. These are two large organizations that were founded in the wake of the uh, emerging church movement specifically to defend the gospel and to rally, you know, more mainstream evangelicals around the gospel truths that we all agreed on. And the theme was supposed to be the gospel. And for a few years, it was. That was that was the theme, and it was encouraging. And I thought, these are this is a good direction. Let's go with it. And yet, a couple of years ago, both organizations basically threw that theme off and picked up the uh, social justice theme instead. Uh, and I think they would say, well, we've just blended the two, but... Mm. But uh, that, I think it's inarguable that the gospel is not their singular focus anymore. Well, I, I think that the gospel and just preaching the word isn't singular anymore. And I think right. this is actually connected to Pastor Wisbang, who it is. I got to do this because the Bible and Jesus ain't enough to attract. Well, people. you remember one of the fads was the young restless reform thing, yeah. which was one of the better fads. It was more encouraging because at least it it had some theological content to it. You know, it did. But my my opinion, the thirty thousand foot that I had on that was. It was it was not a fully reformed movement. No, you're right. You're right. That was the whole problem with it. What they were actually trying to do was adopt certain themes from reformed theology, but blend it with the pragmatism of the previous right. generation. So this was like Rick Warren and John Calvin thrown into a blender, and this is what you get, you know? <laughs> That's perfect. What you get is Mark Driscoll. That's <laughs> Put those two names, and it produces Mark Driscoll. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's Breaking Bread. You can see it on YouTube, Facebook. We talk about nine other assaults against the local church, your local church, not the least of which fads and trends. And perhaps one of the finest manifestations of the faddishness of evangelical Christianity would be 
Contemporary worship music. That's right. Wow, can it be faddish and trendy? Uh, we are seeing an awful lot of contemporary music that is scratching a contemporary itch. And that typically makes something pragmatic. Ooh, people are going to be attracted to this. Might I share with you an illustration of that? Freel, it appears that you're going to. Do you remember when the song Reckless Love was everywhere? You wonder, will they be singing that song in 50 years? <laughs> and some people, not many, but some people said, wait a second, Reckless Love, what's that all about? And it was explained away as saying, well, it's just reckless because he's willing to do anything to get you, man. Therefore, it's reckless love. No, that's not what it is at all. Well, this fellow now has a new record out, and he's using new lingo to describe God. You know, they thought it makes God seem weak or it makes him seem vulnerable to say reckless love. I think the truth is God is vulnerable. And that the beauty of God, he keeps his heart wide open. Sorry, I just, I feel like I just watched a Hallmark movie. Except I'm actually having emotions that aren't fury <laughs> when I watch a Hallmark movie. God is vulnerable now. All right. Could you say that God's love is reckless? Well, you could say it. It just isn't accurate and it's not biblical. God vulnerable? What about God is omnipotent? All of these words that are being introduced into contemporary worship music, I wrote a few myself because I can make these work too, don't you know? How's about horrific love? Because what Jesus went through was horrific, man. You go, well, yeah, but don't call it horrific love. That doesn't go together. How's about disgusting love? Because what they did to Jesus was disgusting. You'd say, okay, now stop that. I think we should have stopped it at reckless, frankly. How's about repulsive love? I've even got a Bible verse, Isaiah 52. He was so beaten, so disfigured, you couldn't tell he was a human being. Therefore, repulsive love. How's about... <laughs> I think I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> I think I went a little too far with my rewriting of trendy pragmatic music. Look out for the fads. Look out for the trends. Look out for the phases that evangelical church goes through. And please look out for Breaking Bread Part 1. We've got more Breaking Breads coming your way. But I sat down with Phil Johnson. This was just one of 10 subjects that we talked about because we care about the local church. And I don't mind telling you, kind of help my self-esteem to hear Phil say, not once but twice, I think you're right. <laughs> That's a big deal, if you don't mind me saying so. Find Breaking Bread at YouTube, Facebook, our Facebook page, which it appears is actually starting to grow again now that we've been taken out of the penalty box. This is Wretched Radio. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today and get ready to take some notes because I'm about to save you from being canceled by your very own kids. Are you being a sharent? You know, the person who shares way too much about their personal life on social media. Yeah, if you're looking at the radio all crazy right now, I'm likely talking about you. But look, don't get offended. Just get better. How, you may ask? 
Simple. Spend less time on social media and more time at Wretched.org. You may have noticed the Wretched website recently got a facelift. And you'll find the new look easier to navigate and locate all of our amazing, yes, amazing content. Like full daily Wretched TV and radio episodes, the Wretched store is loaded with tons of new resources, and the donate page has complete information on how you can become a monthly ongoing gospel partner. So stop embarrassing your kids. Don't be a Sharon. Spend your time instead at Wretched.org. It just hits different. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Here's a preborn story that starts out a little on the bitter side, but ends up being very sweet. Neighborhood pastor's daughter ends up pregnant, and she was very abortion-minded, not wanting to face the consequences of her indiscretion. When she met her baby on the ultrasound, she just wept uncontrollably. Couldn't do it. That baby's alive today because an ultrasound was underwritten for a girl. And otherwise, even though she was a Christian, saw abortion as the easy answer. That is the power of an ultrasound. When a woman in crisis sees her baby, 80% of the time she chooses life for just $28, you could provide one of those ultrasounds. But I would ask you, how many ultrasounds might you be able to provide? The more ultrasounds, the more saved babies. Please consider what you can do at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. What's the one question you think we get the most here at Wretched? It's why do you guys do what you do? And we thought the best person to answer that question was you. Wretched Radio is just really brought me closer to God. Wretched has changed my life. Wretched Radio, you all have done a great job at really bringing joy into our lives. Our goals have always been to preach the gospel, to equip people to preach the gospel, and to strengthen the local church. And when we hear testimonies from real people just like you, we are encouraged. My life will never be the same because of you guys. Through your video, God saved me. Wretched Radio, you encouraged me to walk with the Lord. And we know we would never be able to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel if it weren't for the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider partnering with Wretched to save the lost and reach millions of people with the gospel? Just log on to wretched.org slash donate to get all of the information you could ever want to know about becoming a gospel partner. That's wretched.org slash donate. Books of the Bible Second Corinthians is Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church, written about one year later. Since Paul had last written, some false apostles had snuck in and began to question Paul's authority. There are many who claim authority in the church, but those called by Christ will bear the marks of Christ, which are humility and reliance upon Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And yet another evangelical fad. This is Wretched Radio. Chances are pretty fair you've either watched or at least been introduced to a TV series that is sweeping the nation, receiving more online funding than any other Christian project, media project ever. It's called The Chosen. It is produced by a fellow whose name might sound familiar to you if you are afraid of being left behind. His name is Dallas Jenkins, son of Jerry Jenkins of Left Behind fame. He has, you've got to give him props. He's done an amazing job of making this series about the life of Jesus, what he might have said when we read between the lines of the Bible, 
It is wildly popular, and recently some accusations have been brought out again that Dallas felt the need to respond to. So we'd like to respond to Dallas responding to the accusations that the Chosen has Mormon influences. Dallas Jenkins is saying, no, no, it doesn't. But let me share with you what kicked off this whole shebang. A few years ago, Dallas Jenkins was being interviewed, and he was asked about the involvement of some Mormons in the show. There are two that are executive producers. This is from LDSLiving.com. Headline, Latter-day Saint Producers of the Chosen. Latter-day Saint Producers of the Chosen. Talk Creative Liberties, gratitude for involvement in the show. One of two Latter-day Saint executive producers of the hit show, The Chosen, knows the creator. Dallas Jenkins has received pushback for choosing to work with members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He writes, this one of these producers writes, honestly, I'll always... I'll always been hmm, I'll always be eternally indebted to him because of how he has defended me and my beliefs. And on the flip side, he'll say other things of how we've helped him and it's just been a very synergistic project. In the interview, another one of the producers recalls the fascinating story of how he came to be involved in the chosen and how the show's second season came to be filmed in the church's set in Goshen, Utah. It appears that two of the producers of The Chosen are Mormons, which is why Dallas Jenkins a few years ago was actually asked, hey, what's the story about the Mormon involvement? And this is what he said, quote, I just say that because I recently have gotten a little bit in trouble in certain circles because I was on another LDS podcast. So this is from an LDS podcast. And I said that LDS and evangelicals love the same Jesus. I got some heat from people who suddenly didn't want to watch the show anymore because of that. Apparently, it's a controversial statement, apparently, which I guess I would have known that a few years ago. But now that I've been working with my LDS brothers and sisters over the last couple of years and gotten to know them so well, I've learned quite a bit. Now, this is a subject that does indeed require some scrutiny. What do we do with people who are in apostate movements, denominations, that appear to love Jesus? What do we do with that? Well, it requires a deeper dive into hearing a testimony and what doctrines they adhere to and reject. Because if a person is saved in an apostate movement and they realize, yikes, um, the Jesus in the Mormon church is a created being? That's not what historical Christianity teaches. Wait a second. God was created? You mean Mary was actually impregnated by the Father and the fruit was Jesus? Wait a second. They teach that I have to work my way to heaven and I might never get there? That's a different Jesus. That's a different Christianity. And if a person rejects all of the heretical aspects of a particular moment, they're just going to get out. They're not going to stay, not for long. It might take a little bit because of family connections, etc., but they're not going to stick around in a movement that is so blatantly not Christian. Please note, the Mormon church has been making a tremendous effort 
to look like they might be kind of evangelicals or at least Protestant Christians. Historically, they were very pleased to say, oh, no, we're not. We are the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and you ain't. So you ain't going to celestial kingdom. You might be going to terrestrial or telestial kingdom, but you ain't going to the good place because we're different. Well, recently, it's been going on for years. We've tracked this. They continue to try to be presenting themselves as a Protestant denomination. By the way, if you want to study a denomination, a movement, not good to use the word denomination with the Mormons, but with that sect of how they have invested in the internet to forward their message, you can type in almost any theological subject in your search engine, and it is probably going to pop up LDS very quickly. Their, their work with algorithms, you got to give them props. After all, they do have the money to do it. Dallas Jenkins said, there are reasons why I'm an evangelical and not LDS. I do have things theologically that I disagree with or things that even just in kind of practice that aren't quite my speed in the LDS faith. Now, that's, that's tepid at best. That would be perhaps being politically correct. But there is a vast chasm between evangelical Protestant Christianity and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's not just a couple of, you know, they sort of think this, I sort of think that. There are essentials. And the LDS Church is outside of those essentials. He then says, however, one thing that is unabashedly true and unarguably true is that in getting to know some of my LDS friends, especially through The Chosen, you're passionate about Jesus Christ, and it's Jesus of Nazareth. When I hear people say it's a different Jesus, and I've heard that, by the way, I don't know what term. I know you guys don't use the term Mormon anymore, but it's too long for me to try to say. Okay, the articulation kind of falls apart, but you get the point. Because the issue has resurfaced, Dallas Jenkins has decided to do a little home video putting these rumors to rest once and for all. This is Dallas Jenkins, producer, along with two members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints of the Chosen. I have, let's just start with the, the, the central question. Is it true that I said, um, which is what you've seen in some headlines or seen in some, some, uh, some titles of videos, Dallas Jenkins says, quote, and then it'll say Mormons or LDS, whatever term that they want to use. Mormons and evangelicals love the same Jesus. We just read him saying that. Or LDS are Christians. Is it true that I said that? And the answer is no, um, I did not. Now, well, it seems he did, but he's going to try to explain why he didn't actually mean what he said. Um, did it appear like I said that? Could it be easily interpreted as me saying that? I think that's true. And I think we can agree that, um, uh, you know, words matter, nuance matters. And um, I probably could have given more context and clarity um, that I, then that I'm giving now. From Dallas Jenkins, I recently have gotten a little bit in trouble in certain circles because I was on another LDS podcast and said LDS and evangelicals love the same Jesus. Then he goes on to say, there are reasons I'm an evangelical. However, one thing that is unabashedly true, 
and unarguably true is that in getting to some of to know my, some of my LDS friends through the chosen, you're passionate about Jesus Christ. You be the judge. Um, you know, I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of interviews and written thousands of things about my faith and about the faith of others. And um, I try very hard to be nuanced. I try very hard to make to, to to be cautious and wise and clarifying about every word that I use. But I don't always succeed. And I think this is I think it's fair to say that this is one where um, I don't take back what I said, but I could have given it um, a little bit more clarity. Um, I think it's also true that it would be a problem if I actually said those words. Now, that's positive. It, it appears the reality is he did say those words. But what he's going to try to do is explain why, well, that looks like that's what I said, but that's not what I meant with that. But I'm glad he recognizes it is problematic to say that LDS and evangelicals are in the same tribe. We're not. Definitively, if I actually made the statement, um, evangelicals and LDS love the same Jesus or LDS are Christians, that would be a problem. And here's why. Not because there aren't LDS folks who are Christians and not because there aren't LDS and evangelicals who love the same Jesus, but because it would. Hold on. If somebody is in the LDS and they believe in the Jesus of the Bible, it may take a, a season, but they're going to run for the door. And he just said the very thing that he said before. And that's not just thoughtfully nuanced. That's just entirely inaccurate. And when he goes about the business of explaining, well, no, 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 this, this is what I really meant. Uh, I'll tell you what. You be the judge and decide, are we hearing from an evangelical defending evangelical Christianity, specifically Jesus, or are we hearing Chin Boogie next on Wretched Radio? This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hanks. Now, the LGBT high-pressure group GLAAD, that's with two A's, went on an all-out mollywop against teammate Bill Maher over the weekend. What's the issue? Well, on his HBO show, Mark said that he's happy LGBT people can live openly now, but, quote, someone needs to say it, not everything is about you. It's okay to ask questions about something new that involves children. The answer can't be that anyone from a marginalized community is always right. Glad with two A's didn't seem to care very much about Mars' assessment, tweeting, quote, This is not the first time Bill Maher is spouting anti-trans rhetoric, but this time he is targeting youth. You know, I'm no Bill Maher apologist, not even close, but to me, the truth would actually indicate that Glad with two A's and groups like theirs, they're the ones that are targeting youth. Bill Maher just seems to be shining the light on it. Not that they're hiding what they're doing or anything. Or are they? In January, news came out that a Texas elementary school had a policy in place to hide a child's LGBT affiliation from their parents. The school district totally denied that accusation course it did. But as it turns out, the accusations were very true. We actually were advised to not tell parents about their child's preferred names and pronouns. We were also informed that if we believe a parent or guardian's unwillingness to use their child's preferred name and pronouns, we can contact CPS. So obviously the lying and hiding this type of thing from parents is awful in itself. 
But the fact that teachers are told to contact CPS on parents who actually desire to raise their kids in reality, that's the part that makes you want to yank your kids from public school as quickly as possible. And actually, that's what a lot of parents seem to be doing, not exactly over these issues, but according to a new national survey by the American Enterprise Institute, school districts in the country with the most remote options have lost 4.4% of their students over the last two years. The largest decline comes in New York. Statewide enrollment has decreased nearly 6% over the last two years. Particularly in New York City, the decrease is at about 9.5%. Public schools in California have seen enrollment fall below 6 million for the first time in two decades. And the major reason for the mass exodus is all of the unnecessary guidelines schools are implementing over COVID. And you know, as long as schools continue to make students miserable, I would tend to say that the numbers will continue to rise and rise and rise. And speaking of troubling numbers from public schools, a report from Fox News indicates that at least 135 teachers or teachers' aides have been arrested and charged with child sex crimes this year alone. The crimes range from child pornography to rape. Remind me again why the Florida Parental Rights and Education Bill is a problem? More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Hermeneutics Hermeneutics is the art and science of interpreting scripture. One key principle of hermeneutics is reading verses in context. Words can have multiple meanings, but the intended meaning of a word is understood from its context in the surrounding words, verses, paragraphs, and chapters, all understood in the context of the Bible as a whole. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. A hill to die on? Apparently... This is Wretched Radio, The Chosen. It is sweeping the globe by storm, a mega popular series. It is a fictional presentation of the life of Jesus Christ. It is produced by Dallas Jenkins and two members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Did you know that? Dallas Jenkins saying, no, it's not produced by Mormons. But we know that two Mormons are actually the executive producers of The Chosen. Furthermore, Dallas Jenkins, in an interview a few years ago, stating that Jesus of the Mormon Church and of evangelicals, same, they they love the same Jesus. And if that's the case, we would then say to a Mormon, then you need to get out. If you believe in the Jesus of the Bible, you need to run for the exit doors because that ain't the same Jesus. And Dallas Jenkins went on when being accused of having Mormons involved with the show and suggesting, not suggesting, flat out saying that Mormons and evangelicals believe in the same Jesus said, I'm going to die on that hill. Let's listen to Dallas Jenkins explain what he said in an interview on an LDS podcast, which is, quote, I've gotten in a bit of trouble in certain circles because I was on an LDS podcast and I said that LDS and evangelicals love the same Jesus. To his credit, he recognizes that if he was claiming that the the Jesus of Mormonism and Jesus of evangelicalism are the same. That would be problematic, but he is sticking with his guns and he's willing to die on that hill. And he recently, just the other day, did a little video, whatever you call these things, on the YouTube machine, 
defending his statements about Mormons. Not because there aren't LDS folks who are Christians, and not because there aren't LDS and evangelicals who love the same Jesus, but because... He believes that. So he believes that there are saved Mormons. There could be, but they're not going to be in that church for long. It would be wrong of me to ever say that any one group believes any one thing altogether. Hold on. Ah, uh, therefore, what he said was actually accurate because he would never say that everybody believes the same thing in a movement. Well, that's that can be true. <laughs> that has nothing to do with historical Orthodox Christianity. Um, that is just a level of arrogance that I don't have. Uh, and it's something that I actually believe has been a problem over the years with many people is whatever uh, title or label that someone has had assigned to them or that they've assigned themselves or whatever group that they're part of that we oftentimes will um, will label the entire group as having a particular belief or a particular personality. Hold on. Particular groups have particular theological statements. That's what we're dancing around here. What does the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints teach? The list of errors is as long as your arm. They do not believe in the same Jesus. They believe in a created Jesus. They believe in a Jesus that became divine. He wasn't divine, but he became divine, just like you can become divine. That's the promise of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that if you do everything by the book, then you are one day going to have your own planet and your own universe that you get to be sovereign over. Just like God the Father, who made himself God, and who now gets to run this universe. The implication is there's a whole lot of universes and a whole lot of gods going on out there. And the Jesus of this particular universe came from the planet Kolob, where the father impregnated Mary in the traditional way, not in the miraculous way the Bible tells us. And so that is what the church believes on paper, not to mention they adamantly reject justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. These issues are serious. You be the judge about what Dallas is doing here, but these issues do not give us permission to do chin boogie and nuancing. And well, I said, but I kind of meant, and I would never be so critical of a group. Well, actually it can be. If a group like the Mormon church on paper is theologically unorthodox, then we do say that. And to those people who are in the movement who could be saved, get out. Your house is on fire. Actually, you're not in a Christian house. Get out and come into the true church of all believers for all times who understood that God is not created. Jesus is not created. He's fully God, fully man, totally both, 100% of each who died for sinners so that all of your sins can be forgiven and you will not be saved by works, which is exactly what the Mormon church teaches. These issues, um, this, this type of um, protective speech for a little bit of an empire that has been built here, um, I'm sorry, 
This is not the loving way to talk about Mormons. It would be just as dumb for me to say that all LDS are Christians as it would be to say that all evangelicals are Christians or that all Catholics are Christians. Okay, I don't know why he threw them in except that there are Roman Catholics who do consult on the show The Chosen. By stating, hey, look, I would never say all evangelicals are saved. I would never say that about the Mormon church either. But conversely, he says there could there are some that are saved inside of the Mormon church. And he's skirting around the issue. And he's not addressing his statements that they believe in the same Jesus. They there could be one or two or ten. I don't know. But they, as in the Mormon church, do not believe in the same Jesus. Any other faith tradition. And it would also be dumb of me to say that none are. That's also a level of arrogance that I don't possess. Well, okay. Glad he's not being arrogant. But that isn't actually the issue. This is the type of speech that you'll hear from somebody who's trying to obfuscate the obvious. It appears that what he said is what he meant. And let's just say in his own brain, he's confused about it. The reality is there are still two Mormon executive producers of the TV series, The Chosen. I happen to be speaking about, and when I've talked about my brothers and sisters in Christ, and when I've talked about those LDS folks that I know who love the same Jesus I do, I'm referring to some of the friends that I have who identify as LDS, who I've gotten to know very deeply over the last few years in particular if they do indeed believe in the same jesus these are high level thinkers they must have some money they have some accomplishments they are the executive producers of a multi-million dollar tv series they wouldn't stay in the mormon you can't stay in the mormon church and have had hundreds of hours of conversations with and i stand by the statement that those friends of mine that i'm referring to absolutely love the same jesus that i do now, you may still go, well, that can't be true. That can't be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's your right to think that. Um, but it's not fair to say, oh, then you are now speaking about everybody. Um, I know plenty of evangelicals um, who I would say don't know the same Jesus that I do and don't love the same Jesus that I do. Um, but I was speaking about some friends that I have. And I was also speaking uh, about Jesus of Nazareth, the Jesus of the Gospels, the Jesus that uh, we're portraying in the show. And um, I do believe and do stand by that statement. There you have it. Dying on the hill. What's wrong with what he's trying to do? He's using a potential exception to make a rule. And then he's using some truisms to say this is actually that, which are logical fallacies. This is not that. And the bottom line to all of this, well, there's a number of bottom lines, but one of the bottom, for real, it's either a bottom line or it's not. One of the bottom lines of this is that there are still two executive producers from the Mormon church that are involved in the program, which would bring us to another bottom line. Should I be consuming the chosen? That's up to you. Uh, But knowing that Roman Catholics and Mormons are both consulting on the program, that two of the executive producers of the program are Mormons, that the fellow who is the lead on it, very creative, clever fellow named Dallas Jenkins, affirms that there are some Mormons who are indeed brothers and sisters who believe in the same Jesus, which incidentally is not the only issue. This represents a mere Christianity. There are other issues that are involved. 
like, you know, justification, the works issue, the character and the nature of God, all of those issues, we have a difference. And Dallas is trying to skate over them and tell us that, no, the Mormons aren't producing the show. Well, two of the executive producers are Mormons. Should you be relying on this show for biblical accuracy? No. In fact, anytime you watch a program where they try to put words into the mouth of Jesus, you are in very shaky ground and knowing the involvement of people from apostate movements are involved in some way, shape, or form in The Chosen, might I suggest when it comes to your entertainment and viewing that you choose something else. This is Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Transformed, our latest production is available now in the Wretched Store or by visiting transformed.org. This show is like nothing else on Christian TV. You'll witness real biblical counseling sessions with real people dealing with real issues like anxiety, OCD, depression, phobias, and trauma. What you won't see is a secular therapy session or even a Christian counseling session which still uses secular psychology. No, you are going to witness the power of the Bible and work right before your eyes. Real people with real problems being offered real solutions. Hosted by Dr. Greg Gifford, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at The Masters University and Dr. Dale Johnson, the Executive Director of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Transformed where you'll witness biblical counseling as it takes people from brokenness to wholeness. Visit transformed.org this is our dear brother Max in Ukraine, who's been a Tomorrow Club leader now for almost 20 years, giving us a picture of what is going on currently in Ukraine, specifically regarding the activity of the Tomorrow Clubs, normally kids' clubs where they meet every week to hear the gospel. But right now, those Tomorrow Club leaders are spending their efforts simply trying to minister to people who are in danger, or who have nothing. And our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West are trying to, to meet the needs of those families. We had to escape serving them. It's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. 
There are many who need the bare necessities of life. Tomorrow Clubs is trying to serve them in that regard. Would you please consider what you might do for Ukrainian believers at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Attributes of God Can God make a rock so big he cannot lift it? God is all-powerful. He created the universe and everything in it, and nothing can thwart his will. So the question of the rock is nonsensical. It does not expose a problem with God, but with the thinking of the one asking the question, and they will one day have to answer to the omnipotent God. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's A, but it's not E, L, or C. This is Wretched Radio, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. Yeah, it's located in America, but it's not evangelical, it's not Lutheran, and it's not a church. Why? They are outside of orthodoxy on a myriad of issues, not the least of which would be the life issue, the presiding bishop with a with a rather generous dose of irony explaining why the ELCA is rather disturbed about the Supreme Court leak that indicates Roe v. Wade finally going to be recognized as bad law, a bad judicial decision. The presiding bishop released a pastoral message. Hmm. She's a pastor. Explaining that the denomination teaches that abortion must Be legal, regulated, and accessible. Why she wants it regulated, I suspect it's not for the same reasons that you and I do. We want it regulated because we don't want babies' lives to be taken. She likely wants it regulated so that women can get it safely and without any hassle. So we want it regulated. We want the safe taking of innocent human life. (laughs) We're not barbarians. Quote, while this church longs for a future with fewer abortions every year, most likely it is because they simply don't want women to have to go through this hardship and experience the effects of the creative act. That's that's what second wave feminism is about, that you can do what is done for the making of human beings without the consequences. That's second wave. Third wave feminism is not just removing the consequences of the procreative act, but it's removing your actual gender from you. <laughs> I'm telling you, saw a video. I, 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 I can't commend it or deny it. I haven't seen it, but I did see a two-minute trailer. Matt Walsh. He's a Roman Catholic. He was rather startled that the new Supreme Court justice couldn't define what a woman is. He jumped on that, traveled around the globe, it appears, even going to Africa to ask people who were clearly, they were tribal folks, so probably not hooked up to the Internet. Can a man become a woman? And they just looked at him like, (laughs) you're just, you're kidding, right? They didn't say it like that, but that was the gist of it. Asking political leaders, can you tell me what a woman is? This interview is over. What? We, we What? That's where the ELCA leader wanting to remove the consequences of the procreative act would probably join the LGBTQ crowd to say, not only that, but we can sever your actual gender from your sexuality. That's third wave 
feminism. Hold on for the irony. The social statement points out that outlawing all or nearly all abortions is not the way to do this. The ELCA, yep, that's irony, opposes both the total lack of regulation of abortion and legislation that would outlaw abortion in all circumstances. We must continue to be bold in our prayers and in our public witness for a more just society that cherishes and guarantees the dignity of all except for human beings in a mother's womb. I added that last part. How ironic is we want dignity for all. Once again, the baseline issue with all of these conversations about life always, always, always is what is it? Dignity for all? Well, that's easy then. If you define what's in the mother's womb as an all, that you are a member of the human race, not by your virtues, but by what you are made of as a human being, not what you can contribute, but because of what you are, you're a member of the human race. And even though you're smaller, even though you have less development than an adult, even though you rely on another human being for life, even though you're located in a different place than I am, doesn't mean that we have the right to take the life if it is indeed human. And that is the issue that always gets missed. I was, Bart sent me a Bill Maher video and it was like, wow, Bill Maher was addressing the trans trend and he was lamenting how trendy it is and that these children are going through these procedures when they're just children. I know this is Bill Maher, an unmarried man without children. And he was lamenting that children are being allowed and encouraged, he used the word encouraged, to change their gender. And I thought one of his comments, he said, I, 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 you, you go to lunch in Los Angeles and you will meet parent after parent whose son or daughter is dealing with transgender stuff. But you go to Youngstown, Ohio, you're not going to hear that from most parents. Now, why is it that so many kids would believe they are trans in Los Angeles, but not in Ohio? It's because it's trendy, said Bill Maher. Rather shocking coming from him. But then I fell into the YouTube trap and I decided to start watching another Bill Maher video, which just, uh, this, this just is so simple and so basic. He was mocking that there are some people, he may have even said Christians, who believe that life begins at conception. Life begins at conception. How ridiculous. So two people do that thing, and suddenly there's three people in the room. Ha, ha, ha. Guffaw and laughter from the audience. Well, here's how we know the statement, life begins at conception, is true. Because dead things don't grow. Only live things grow. When sperm meets egg, it starts growing and like really, really fast. So, of course, life begins at, at conception, which is why you need to be aware that if you are studying birth control medicines, please be careful. When does it do its effective work? Is it prior to conception or is it post-conception? Because the chin boogie that they'll do on you is, hold on, all it does is just slough off the uterine wall because life begins when the fertilized egg meets the uterus. 
That's when life begins, they say. Therefore, this pill is safe. No, it's not. Life begins at conception. It doesn't matter that it had to travel a little bit to get closer to its host. Life begins at conception because only living things grow, which raises a question. What are we to do now that the Supreme Court is indicating that Roe v. Wade is bad legal precedent? What do we do? I got to tell you, I kind of got my belly full of hearing podcasts, movies, documentaries, and right, wrong, or indifferent, basically getting you stoked up and then saying, we can't take this. We got to do something about this. The end. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm agitated. What do you want me to do? Well, the same thing is true with this issue. Hey, we can't stop now just because the Supreme Court is going to make a federal decision. It's going to go to the state level. So what can we actually do? Thank you to John Stemberger. He's an attorney, I believe, from New York City. Five pro-life strategies for post-Roe America. I thought these were helpful. Some of them were obvious, but we need to continue our care for women and children. If Dobbs overturns Roe, the most significant change will be immediate increase in the number of abortion-minded women with unexpected pregnancies who won't have access to abortion. That's exactly what we want. But those women are going to need to be taken care of. The good news is we Christians do do not buy the trope that we just care about babies in the womb. We don't care about them the rest of their lives. That's just nonsense. I've never been around Christians in a church that is biblical, that doesn't care for women, whether they are having a baby inside of their womb or outside. Don't buy the lie. All we care about is babies, but not the rest of the issues. That's just statistically, verifiably wrong. You can have an effect by being kind to these women who are pregnant, helping Providing Similac, if you can find it, of course, and helping them with clothing. By the way, Preborn does just that. It's it's a ministry we like to commend regularly. Preborn.org slash wretched. They do take care of women. Pre-birth, post-birth, with all of the help that they need to raise a child. What else can we be doing? Number two, law and public policy on the state and federal level. So if you get a chance to vote... Vote, please. It's going to go to a state level, and you will be given an opportunity. So number three, participate in elections. Furthermore, politicians who do not endorse life 100% should not receive your endorsement or your vote. And if you're Roman Catholic and a politician who endorses abortion, you should be denied communion. (laughs) It just happened to Nancy Pelosi. One of the best things the Catholic Church has done in a long time. And finally, direct action. In other words, you can be doing something inside of your church to help women in your community who are pondering making a decision that hopefully soon will be considered by every state as being illegal. In other words, while there's good news coming out of the Supreme Court, battle for life, it ain't over. Until tomorrow... Go serve your king.